Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Cue the, the, the Jordan meme, right? I take all that personally. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my boy and producer Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Gentlemen, special episode this week. I am excited to announce that finally back with us in the huddle, a Warriors expert for the San Francisco Chronicle since 2007, the guest with the longest-running tenure and best Golden State stories on this show, and a man who once made us record in an apartment gym, Mr. Rusty Simmons. What's going on, Rusty? What's going on, fellas? Uh, yeah, I guess this is a little bit different. We can't uh, we can't be in gyms right now. Uh, yeah, this is a little bit different for multiple reasons. One of them is, yeah, we are in a global pandemic. Uh, but two, that, that gym thing, don't think for a second that I've forgiven you for that. Man, that was one of the most awkward recording environments I have ever been in. Was it just because that uh, we were bouncing on yoga balls? No, no. Okay, so for those of you who don't immediately remember this story, Marcus, Maxime, and I showed up to Rusty's apartment. This is at a time when we are still allowed to leave the house. And Rusty meets us outside and for the first time tells us that they are doing some major renovations inside of his place. Weird that he didn't tell us that before we showed up and that we would have to be recording in the gym. So we go in there and right when I think the most awkward moment is going to be that all three of us are staring at one another on bouncing balls while recording, some random woman comes in, hits the tray. Bill and is forced to make eye contact with us while I'm desperately trying to please her and only her, not the audience, because she's listening. And that the whole thing, I felt like I lost like six to seven pounds and just nervous flop sweat. Yeah, but she's a listener now, that's for sure. She was pumped, I could tell. <laughs> and she reached out to you a couple times on email or something. Exactly. Like, how do you know that? She's <laughs> like, great, great stuff to listen to while I work out. No, Marcus, that when I brought that up, I didn't expect you to suddenly like kind of back Rusty. Like, no, it was a good thing. We've gained a listener. I thought you were also going to say this is ridiculous, dude. Like, it's not something that's allowed. What's up with that? I mean, I was on a workout. I was on a bench press. I didn't even get a yoga ball. But, you know, <laughs> it made go. it happen. It was, it was a good show. Well, 
Gentlemen, uh, we've got big things to talk about today. And in fact, let me start it this way. Uh, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021, or as I've come to know it, the year of Steph Curry, man. Things are a little different since January has hit the uh, calendar. So we've got a lot of things to discuss. And actually, what I have, Rusty, is a Warriors Oracle segment for you. So really, it's a mailbag, man. Um, But a couple of things to note. One, this one's a little Steph-centric. It's heavy on Curry questions. I'm fine with that. Uh, What a great time to kind of bask in Curry knowledge. But also, two, it includes personal questions yet again. So be ready maybe to be a little bit more forthcoming than you are on other podcasts. And here's where we'll start. Brad in SF asks the following, quote, I don't remember enjoying a Steph performance more than his 62-point point explosion. And that includes the dynasty years. Where does it rank on your all-time individual warrior moments? And what was your favorite part? Rusty, you've been following these guys forever, um, certainly since before Steph is on the team. Where does this rank, man? Number one, is there an individual performance that beats this one out? I don't think for Steph there there's anything better than this one. Um because I was there and saw the moment and felt the magnitude of it, maybe fifty five in Madison Square Garden, you know, the even all these years later after the Knicks stink at life and can't get anything right in their franchise, it, it, it is still considered the Mecca when, when players go to Madison Square Garden and for him to put up fifty five there, I think uh, that meant something um, for the Warriors franchise as a whole, watching Clay Thompson put up 37 in the third quarter against Sacramento. Uh, that was something, uh, but 62 and to split it up like that was <laughs> we've seen Stephen Curry do amazing things and explode in one quarter, but for an entire game to just, be the way that he was the other night. Um, yeah, that for him, I think that that might have been that might have been the moment. And, and he did it while while haters were were chirping in his ear. And that 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 seems like Stephen Curry to me. That's what makes it my favorite is the is this fu component to it, right? So like, there's other things we can bring up. Steph's 27. I'm Steph. Clay's 27 and a quarter. Sprewell choking Carlissimo. Uh, didn't Antoine Jameson have like back to back 50 spots? Like there's there's individual performances we can look back on. But for me, it was the 62 point uh, explosion that I think occupies my favorite spot. And it's, it's because of when it happened, you know, right when we were worried about the team, right when NBA Twitter was trying to turn its back on Steph, right when even Damian Lillard was having kind of nasty takes at Curry's expense, instead of disappearing, instead of using the excuse of not having a lot of help around him, Curry showed the up and and just destroyed all of the criticism that was out there and because of that just that background story i just love it and this isn't recency bias this in fact is my favorite individual performance for the warriors mt where does this link on you um this is third for me i mean it was an amazing performance and i love the the middle finger to the haters and all the doubters of, of the timing of it i still think to rusty's point the 55 in the garden um, takes a, a little bit of a lead over this one just because it was a coming out moment for Steph. You, can, you hadn't really expected that from him yet, and he was just dominating. And I think having a crowd in attendance adds another element to it that 
um, I think it was missed for the 62 point game. And number one to me still is uh, his shot over OKC um, from about the halfway line. I still think that moment really defines Steph as, you know, the the player who's changing the league and changing the game. And I think you can go back and see these pivotal moments where Steph Curry really changed the game, like he says, you know, for his branding line. So, um, you know, there's those times in that one preseason game right when they first started hitting their dynastic stride and he shoots the shot and then turns around and wants to give uh, Iguodala a high five before the ball's gone through the hoop. Like those moments that, you know, you look back and I think there is a little recency bias because those moments where, you know, the Warriors were so fun. Everybody loved them. They were flying around the court, smiling, having fun. And there wasn't anything like that in a while. So um, those still stand out to me. But I mean, 62 is 62 and it's amazing uh, no matter how you look at it. MT brings up a good spot there because that's one of the reasons that I wonder what the 62 point game will end up being. Right. Because we we all remember back to the 55 in the garden and what transpired after. We all remember like the I'm back game in Portland in the playoffs. We all remember pulling up from nearly half court in Oklahoma City. And then it's kind of the the moment is not the moment. It's what transpires after it. Um, All of those things were kind of a step toward what Steph was becoming. And and I I wonder what he's going to do now. Like. We, we don't know yet what, what the 62 moment ends up becoming. And he always has a great story. He's still writing this one. The background is what makes this one stick out to me. So, MC, you're right. Uh, that moment in OKC, if we're talking about changing and defining the game, that's one of the first times I can remember a 35-footer won the game. We, we've become uh, very familiar with them now. Damian Lillard has a few. They're happening all around the league, but that was one of the first times it happened. You're right. The 55 spot in the garden, incredible, absolutely sticks out. But what neither of those had was Steph as a f- underdog. He entered this game with his legacy in question. I mean, you know, literally, the, we, we, were, we were reading ridiculous takes left and right as if he had not won two MVPs, as if he had not won three championships, as if he had not turned around a moribund franchise on his own. And instead of being upset by that, he came out and put out a career high. And I think you, you've got to... I think you've got to put some respect on that. And Rusty, let me ask it this way, because you are one of the people who've helped me understand Steph. So I understand him as a showman, and I understand him as somebody who recognizes the importance of Madison Square Garden. So I'm sure that 55-point night meant the world to him. But I also recognize him as maybe the most savage competitor that this league has. You know, and, and we don't always think of him that way because he has this baby face. But when it comes down to it, I think he'd slit your throat over a game of, I don't know, Rochambeau. So if we asked him, Rusty, if we came to him and said, okay, between the 55 point in the garden when no one was expecting anything and it was kind of your coming out party, and then now when everyone was expecting you to fail and you gave him the double middle finger, which one did you prefer? Which one do you think he'd say? Yeah, so... I think Warriors fans have gotten to know Curry enough now that they know this, but um, his competitive streak is like in his veins. It's it's the underlying thing behind all this stuff, right? Um, growing up, uh, Seth Curry was the one who would flip over the Monopoly board, and Steph would have just laughed and smiled. And and and, and there are people who probably still look at him and think that he's not competitive, that think that he doesn't care. Um, 
but he's taking note of everything. He's 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 definitely one who who keeps receipts. And um, New York was an interesting place for Stephen Curry early in his career because that's where he wanted to go. Uh, that's not where he was drafted. Right. He was yeah. he was trying to figure out what was going to happen. His rookie year in New York, Don Nelson sat him after he was a starter, sat him, and in the final thirty seconds, New York Madison Square Garden was cran- was chanting, "We want Steph." And they finally Curry finally gets into the game and plays scrub minutes. Like it was embarrassing for him. So all that stuff is going through Curry's brain. He's thinking about all that stuff. Um, and the night before he goes to Madison Square Garden for the 55 is when uh, they get into a fight in Indianapolis and David Lee is fighting with people and Clay Thompson's fighting with people and Steph's going crazy, right? And, and then all of a sudden they he goes for 55 in Madison. So um, all, all of this stuff matters to him. He's a competitor and he keeps receipts of all this stuff. You strike me as a person with competition problems, Rusty. Am I right? Are you like if if we played a game and I beat you in it, you're gonna flip over the table? Oh yeah, I, I can't hide mine. Yeah, mine 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 is right on the surface. I I throw my controller if I'm losing to my five year old in video games. I mean, like I have real deep seated problems. I've ended relationships over fantasy before. So yeah, dude, I I definitely have competitive problems. I I would bet. I, you know what? I bet you both Marcus and Maxime also have competition problems, even if they're not willing to admit them. Maxime, uh, am I right? When, when you play something and lose, do you take it remarkably hard or are you able to move on? Well, I mean, I don't have a five-year-old daughter, but I also feel like no wonder you have competition problems if you're losing to your five-year-old daughter, man. Look, it, this isn't about how bad I am at video games. So now my competition problem <laughs> is that I hate my master of all things sound. <laughs> It's a, little, it's a little bit embarrassing to be losing to a five-year-old. Thank you, Rusty. Okay, that's what makes the joke funny, assholes. That's why I told it that way. <laughs> what, am I the only one who gets this? You guys need to step this up. Uh, I have competition problems for sure, 100%. I don't think, I'm not the type of person that flips over the table because I then feel responsible to have to clean it up afterwards, and I don't want to like, that feels kind of like rubbing my face in it, you know? Um, so I'm a, I'm a lot more of a quiet competitor, but it's there. Well, here's a piece of very important advice. Do not play video games against my kid. She's hella good, dude. Hella good. <laughs> She'll make you feel terrible about yourself. Boys, McKendall in Oakland writes in with this, quote, was it commendable or scandalous that Steph scored the final six of his 62 while the Warriors were up at least six and the game was out of reach? MT, what do you think? No, not at all. You rub that in and he's going Why? for because he's going for his career right. high at that yeah. point. You have the green light to keep going. And there's it's the unwritten rule like Portland. I don't even think took offense to it. They were just watching the show. They're like, you let that fly. And if it goes in, it's just your night, you know, like so I don't I don't think so. I think if if he's just sitting on like 30 points and they're rubbing it in, then that's like you don't dunk the ball when you run out the clock instead. But this is a career night. It only happens a few times in a in a lifetime, and you just let it fly no matter how much time is on the clock. Oh, career nights can piss people off. Rusty, help me with this, but am I right in remembering that Mark Jackson asked the Warriors to foul on purpose to make sure that was it? I don't remember the team, but someone was going to set the three-point record against them, um, and he, he absolutely did not want it to happen. Uh, I, I I agree with the MT. I, I don't think it was scandalous. Um, 
but it certainly caught my attention. And when that final three went in and I was thinking in the back of my head, like, is it cool that they're doing that? You know, are you allowed to do it? Before I could even finish the thought, Steph is doing the airplane down the court and Draymond puts up his hands like they just won the, you know, the championship. So they certainly didn't have any problems with this at all, at all. Yeah, Bram, but you're talking about the game at Houston several years ago where they literally fouled dudes when they were coming across half court because they were they would rather give up free throws than three points to lose the record or, or to have the record be reached against them. So put um, this these conversational topics together for me, Rasta. You are playing for Portland now. Uh, Steph has 59. The game is absolutely over, and he raises up to hit that final one to go to 62. Piss you off? Part of the show? How does it hit you? Yeah, it's so weird because um, I'm from an old school cloth where it's like if you don't want someone to celebrate on you, you stop them, <laughs> right? But but nobody in the NBA right now is going to foul Stephen Curry hard. <laughs> There's no one in the world who's going to do that. So um, it, it's it's such an interesting dynamic. And, and I think right now during everything that's going on, if – a guy is going crazy and scoring 60 points, you're okay with it. And this kind of makes up for all those years where he didn't play the fourth quarter. Like He could have scored 62 probably a dozen other times in his career, but he didn't play the fourth quarter because the Warriors were too busy dominating. Keep the mic, and I'm going to give you a question from Doug and San Leandro. Does this performance change anything about the way that you see Steph Curry? No, not for me. Um, I probably could have written the sidebar that I wrote for that game before the game. It's it's almost exactly what I would ex- would have expected from Stephen Curry. How about you, MT? Because it did for me a little bit. Yeah, it 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 didn't change it for me, but it it was helpful um, in the fact that he scored so many of his points from inside the three point line. I think the fact that he took it to the rack so many times and he really got. You know, like I established that part before he started hitting threes, um, just changed the narrative a little bit on on who he was and the fact that he can um, change his game accordingly. Like he's been used to this system and this flow and relocating threes in order to get to where he's at in his career. And now all of a sudden he's, you know, still without clay and having to do it all with players he's not familiar with. And he still found a way, you know, in the this early on in the season to to have a game like that I think it doesn't change it like I knew he had it but it was it was refreshing to see because I know there's a lot of people who didn't believe he had that part of his game to it if I'm being honest in the back of my mind I was worried about a few things this year one of them was its impact on Steph's legacy and here's what I mean. When I looked at who Steph was, I mean, you guys know how I feel about Steph Curry. He might be my favorite athlete of all time. Um, the Warriors occupy a unnecessarily important part of my life, and Steph might be my favorite warrior of all time. So there's no question the admiration I have for this dude. But when I looked at his offensive game before this, um, and certainly in the years leading up to it, I kind of viewed him as like a remarkably high-end, as nice as you can possibly be, sports car's engine. On its own, it couldn't really go anywhere. But you put it into something mediocre, and it makes it immediately better than almost anything else. It takes something that exists and, and amplifies it to a degree that nothing else can. 
But I was always kind of worried that he couldn't be the whole car on himself, for lack of a better way to put it. That if you didn't surround him with some talent and, and some knowledge of the game, that we wouldn't see performances like we saw against Portland. Well, gentlemen, I was wrong. He can be the whole car. It doesn't matter if you take people off the floor. It doesn't matter if you surround him with shooters. It doesn't even matter if you can no longer help him as much as Clay helped him on the defensive end. You can, in fact, give him the ball and get out of the way. And that's not the kind of score I saw uh, in, in Steph until this performance. So it did. It, it altered the way I view him. I'm not, not drastically, but certainly somewhat. Well, hold on just a second. I totally respect all of that. And I also want to call out, you know, to, to MT's point um, of taking it to the rack and not just being a three-point shooter. He also had a career high, 18 of 19 from the stripe. Um, so it was an all-around very impressive game. But I think that really undervalues Draymond's contribution to this. And I don't know that if Draymond were still on uh, a full 20 minutes minute restriction or not playing at all, that we would have been able to see this because Draymond was there doing everything to get Curry the shots that he got. Uh, and gesticulating wildly when anybody didn't know what the hell to do with the ball. Um, so I, I tell you what, let's use that as a transition because boys, Nima from San Ramon asks us this. I didn't know how much I missed Draymond until he returned. And I still don't think I completely understand his value. After three games, what have you seen that shows how much Mr. Green means to the team? Nima, first and foremost, I love questions that rhyme. So nicely played. Um, I, let me swing this to you, Rusty. We've we've had him now back in our life for only three games, and I think what Maxime just said is is on the money. But what are you seeing? You know, how does Draymond add to the Warriors? Well, let me just start off by saying I'm wrong about Draymond Green. Um, I had a reader this year who sent me an email before the season that said, "Hey, this might be the year where Draymond Green does kind of the David Lee thing." And thinking back to 2015, David Lee got hurt in the last preseason game. And then Draymond Green became the starter. And he was so good while David Lee was hurt that Draymond Green became the heartbeat of the Warriors. And the reader said, this is what's going to happen with Eric Paschal. He's going to become – he's going to take Draymond Green's spot. And I actually gave credence to it. I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe that is a better role for Draymond Green. Maybe he comes off the bench. The bench needs help. Maybe that's what he does. And I actually gave – so I'm, I'm dead wrong. So let, let me just start by saying that. I'm dead wrong about Draymond Green. Um, I knew how much he meant to the defense. Seeing him back uh, a couple of games on offense uh, reminds me of how important he is in organizing everything on that end, that he is the point forward of this team. Um, he's He's – instrumental in everything they do on offense and defense and in the locker room. I, Rusty, and I'm telling you this because Marcus and Maxime already know it, basically I'm a baseline nerd. I like things like Star Wars, man. Um, I, I like go to Disneyland with my family and really enjoy it. And let me illustrate that to you by using a Harry Potter example to answer Nima's question. All right, so I, I've read the Harry Potter books, dude. I've watched the movies. And there's a scene at one point, I don't remember the potion, but there's a potion that gives you luck. But in the movie, really what that means is you make the right call. You're not like suddenly finding a lottery ticket. Instead, if there are two doors, one leads to certain death, one leads to some kind of a prize, you'll always pick the right one. If you could take a left turn or a right turn, you'll always take the turn that will help you. You always make the right decision. 
The, the potion doesn't make you any stronger. doesn't make you any more athletic. doesn't make you any better at what you do. It just makes you make the right call. That is Draymond Green's superpower. We see him back on the floor. It doesn't matter if it's defensively. It doesn't matter if it's on the offensive end. It doesn't matter if it's his own motion or what he is doing to direct the other people on the floor. He makes the right decisions. And seeing the difference that that makes for this team, seeing the cohesion that it brings, it just brings a smile to my face. You know, like that that gesticulating I was talking about. There's a scene he's got the ball or a play he's got the ball, bringing it down court, and somebody wasn't uh, – using the motion that the play called for. And he, he points over once kind of randomly points again, demonstrably. And then the third time is literally jumping up and down, screaming and moving his hand, showing the guy to move. And the reason he was doing that is whoever it was he was talking to was not making the right decision. And Draymond was there to make sure it happened. So that value is enormous for this team. And I'm, I'm glad to have it back. And the value is enormous that, people eventually listen like as smart as Draymond Green is sometimes he's not even right but if all five dudes are doing what Draymond Green says at least they're all doing it wrong <laughs> and then, then, all sudden, then, then all of a sudden you can get something right um what 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 we've seen without them is people going all over the place and not dive cutting and not reading and reacting and not doing anything as a team at least now they have one loud voice telling them this is what we're doing. And five dudes are doing that. MC, if you're out on the floor, nationally televised game, you know, you've got like, you're an NBA player. You've, you obviously have your own kind of storied history. You've made it there. Um, you make a wrong cut, you know it. And then Draymond Green screams a bunch of F-bombs at you, you know, and everybody can see it. Are you embarrassed? Are you happy that he's helping you? Like, how, how does that hit you? Um, definitely embarrassed. And I, I wait until we have some free throws or a timeout and I, I listen, I soak it up. Um, to Rusty's point, he gets people there, even if he's telling me the wrong thing to do. Like, you know, if we're all doing the wrong thing, something good might come out of it. Um, I just think he's the way he impacts the game is it doesn't always show up in the box score. Like when they showed his final stats and he had five, five and five. And I was like, it felt like he had a triple double. It's just one of those things where his impact is just it it doesn't always translate to raw numbers, but it's there. And, you know, I look back on that moment when KD first joined and it was a couple games in and KD went the wrong way and took a shot, you know, outside of the system. Yeah. Yeah. That one. No, no. But he, he, he yelled at him. He said, we don't do that here. That's not what we do here. And him keeping KD in check like that is what he brings like he brings that structure and format to that's not what we do here the reason why the spurs were so successful is because they had a system you know they just plug and play people into that system and if you were good enough to hit the corner jumper or to go rebound or to set a screen then it would work and he mandates that that system works and he's able to get people to see what their role is in that system and you need a loud voice and somebody who commands respect and who will be a little sharp with it um, if you're not following. And he's that person. It doesn't come off the same way with Steph. Steph is too enjoyable to work with and he's too, you know, like jolly of a guy. So when Draymond's yelling at you, like you said, he's jumping up and down. Like I'm running to the wrong spot and I'm embarrassed because I want to do it right just because I know that he's putting us in a position to win. 
Well, it requires so many skill sets. You know what I mean? Like it's one, it requires you to know where you should be. Two, it requires him to know where everybody on the floor should be. He's like one of those actors who memorizes the lines for everybody in the scene. But the third thing it requires is a personality type, a willingness to see, oh, you're not doing the right thing. I'll point it out lightly. And then if you're still not doing it, I'll shove it up your ass. I'll tell you who doesn't have that, me. Um, I'm the type of dude, if you called me Fram, more than once and I haven't corrected you, I'll let you call me Fram forever because I'm just embarrassed to call you out on it. You know what I mean? Like if, if I order a, a salad and they bring me a steak, I'll probably just eat it and thank them. So yes, it, it, it shows a lot of things that he adds to the team. Um, time for a personal one, boys, and one I'm excited for. Tommy in Albany asks us this. What is your most embarrassing moment at a professional sporting event? Anyone want to take this first? Yeah, does it count like if you're on the way to a professional sporting event? Absolutely. Well, then my my most embarrassing one is completely obvious. <laughs> we were flying from San Francisco to Cleveland f- during the 2015 championship season, and I landed a plane in Denver. <laughs> I was my I had so many kidney problems that the plane couldn't make it all the way back to Cleveland. We had to oh. we had to make an emergency landing in in Denver. Actually, it wasn't. It was so bad that it wasn't even in Denver. We landed in some rural place right outside of Denver. Um, yeah, it was not. It was not fun. But I always look back to uh, that situation. That I'm on a plane with a bunch of people who have jobs that they have to do in the NBA. Uh, a bunch of reporters who have jobs where they're supposed to be journalists and report on all this information. And somehow we had an emergency landing outside of Denver, Colorado on our way to Cleveland. And the reports of this information never got out, which (laughs) the the most, the the most embarrassing thing that ever happened in my life was in front of a bunch of uh, uh, reporters. And they, they had so much respect for the situation. And for me, that, that that story never came out. When you threaten them with a knife on the way out of the plane, if I remember right, I mean, like everybody you made eye contact with and did that thing like across your throat. If you tell anybody uh, and, and th- that was that, that's how that went down. Of course, that that's the way all that stuff happens. <laughs> how do you so are you apologetic on the way out even while you're in pain or are you just so involved in look, I just got to get better. I don't care where we landed. This is what it is. Apparently. So I when when you're in that kind of situation, you don't have uh <laughs> a lot of cognizance of what's going on. Right. So, but apparently the whole time I was telling everybody, let please just get this plane to Cleveland. I'll be fine. Once we get there, apparently I was, I was doing it all right. I was never telling anybody land this thing immediately. I need medical attention. I was just laying on the floor of an airplane and saying, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, for me, and I, I, this will shock you guys. I have so many remarkably embarrassing things that have happened to me at professional sporting events that just, Picking out one is going to be hard for me. I'm not going to be able to tell you about the time I got kicked out of the Coliseum for calling Manu Ginobili bald early, by the way. Most people were not calling him bald yet. I felt like I was really ahead of the game on that. Um, But I'm going to tell you the one that I had with my friend Daryl. So a little bit of background. Had Warrior season tickets for a while now. And even back when this story happened, I had had them for at least three or four years. And because of that, I had like pseudo friendships with the various people who worked at the Coliseum. You know, the 
the person who I bought my beer from, I didn't know her name, but we knew each other via eye contact. And we'd say hello every time. The usher in the front of uh, the door that I went through for my seat, we'd give each other like a little high five or a fist bump as I went in and went out. And you guys know, you know, how uh, ridiculous I can be. Um, and I was proud of all those relationships. So I invite a friend of mine to come to the game with me. And one of the main things I want to do is show off to this friend all these pseudo people. I know it's like going to Disneyland and knowing Mickey Mouse or something. So we go there and the walk in goes real well, man. It was like, you know, good fellows in the Copacabana. Like I, I see the usher, give him a high five, see the beer person. She gives me like a free beer. I am riding f-ing high. Daryl thinks I'm the man. We go through the game. I don't even remember what happens. I'm sure the Warriors lose. And we're walking out, and I decided that the first run-through wasn't enough. I I want more, dude. So on the way out, my big plan is to give the usher a fist bump. And that way, Daryl can really see I'm best friends with this guy. So I go up, put my hand up to give him a fist bump, and he doesn't see me. It's my nightmare. You know, the the circumstances come into a head. Um, and I'm trying desperately to get his attention. He doesn't see me, doesn't see me, doesn't see me. And instead of just letting it go, I touch his stomach with my right hand to get his attention and then put my fist out again. And immediately relax, like, what's going on? And, and I walk past him and get about three or four feet. And my friend who I'm trying to impress comes up behind me and goes, what did you do to that guy? And I go, what? He goes, yeah, that guy back there. What the hell did you do to him? Because it looks like he would like to beat the shit out of you. So it turns out instead of really impressing my friend, I created a belly touch usher. That guy now hated me. Everybody thought I was super awkward. I had like, I couldn't say hi to him on the next time I went in. It was, um, it was just, it was awful is what it was. And I can give you guys a piece of advice. If you're looking to get someone's attention, don't touch them on the belly. Like it's apparently a very sensitive thing and makes people exceptionally angry. I'm kind of struck by how your story is about everybody ignoring you and Rusty's story is about how everybody paid attention to him when he landed a plane. (laughs) Thanks, man. Although it wasn't that they ignored me. It's that they weren't impressed by me. That's what I wanted to have happen. (laughs) And Bram Bram has learned from that because I've gone to a Giants game with him since then (laughs) where he was trying to show me how he knew all the ushers and everybody in the section. Like they, They were all his family and friends. And he's now learned do not punch people in the belly yeah no that's 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 factually accurate marcus maxime you guys got an embarrassing story um yeah it's a i guess kind of embarrassing i don't know if embarrassing is the right word i I got caught up one time which was not a smooth move um so one of our friends somehow got um floor seats to the warriors and this was before they were really good so it wasn't as difficult to get them and he couldn't go and they were playing the Pistons, I remember, and the Pistons still had Richard Hamilton. And he gives me the tickets, and there's two of them. So I invite this girl that I was trying to impress, and I was like, cool. But it wasn't the girl that I was technically, I guess, dating. But um, <laughs> so I invite the girl, and we go to the floor seats. And in my head, I'm like, okay, it's the Warriors and it's the Pistons. It's not, it's like a daytime game. It's not nationally televised. I'll be okay. And the floor seats were the far corner ones in the floor. So, you know, if you're walking around, you get to the floor seats, it's the very first two on the very far edge. Um, it was amazing. I've never sat that close before. It's, it's crazy to see the players up close and how big they are when they're playing. But, um, of course, as fate would have it, at some point, 
the ball like <laughs> dribbles out of bound and runs right into it and goes into the arms of the girl that I brought. And she's, you know, being all cute and playful and won't give the ball back. So, of course, there's just ample video time. Me on the screen, me probably on TV. And it, long story short, definitely ended up getting back to the girl I was technically dating. And did you, did you we try to punch that of the girl? Yeah, we were not face, technically like, dating anymore after that. Let's put it like that. I see the camera putting on you, and you immediately hit that other girl. Like, what? What are you doing sitting here? Like, exactly. weird. I'm actually, I'm actually holding this seat for the girl I am technically dating. By the way, I love how your voice jumps eight octaves every time you see, uh, use the phrase "technically" in that sentence. I'm pretty sure you were only dating one person, and that person did not come to the game with you. What the word "technically" is doing in that story, I have no idea. It was just like a kiss cam moment, like on steroids. It was just horrible. And that's terrible. That's terrible from the jump. The, like when you're a rookie in the NBA, they teach you how to separate players and people that you're technically dating and people that you're technically hanging out with and people that you're technically gonna take home into quadrants. You're supposed to separate into quadrants and no TV angles. MT man, you got to be on top of that. You should have known. I was not invited to that session, that media session. (laughs) When you brought her to the game, the person who was there, did she know there was somebody else who you were quote unquote technically dating? Like, was she in on the, we can't draw attention or were you walking a high wire between the two of them and she didn't know about the other technicality? A high wire. I don't need class to know. You don't tell the other person. (laughs) Well, I don't know. You broke all the other rules. Maybe you wrote this one. Who knows what other rules you had actually uh, thrown into the gutter. It was the 20 and, 62 warrior season who knows i I didn't really think it was going to be that big of a deal but it it was a deal maxime what do you think you touched any ushers begged off any planes (laughs) screwed over any women what's going on on your side i honestly i i i think all of my embarrassing stories definitely exist but they are lost to the sands of alcohol (laughs) By the way, I'm glad you said that. I was listening back to the episode where you described getting kicked out of that Vegas club. And I don't know if I was just so excited for the story I wasn't listening to the details. But for the first time, I heard you say when guessing on why you got kicked out that you drank more alcohol than you paid for. What the hell does that mean? Were you running around that club stealing people's drinks? Were like were people having conversations and suddenly a hammered Maxime with a napkin for a pocket square ran up giggling, drank their drink, and then ran away? Like what was going on in that club? Come on, giggling, dude. How classless do you think I am? No, it was not giggling. I did, in fact, I, I actually checked in with my wife who was there. We were not married at the time. Um and she confirmed and corroborated the story. Yeah, I was just drinking people's drinks. Okay, if if I laugh and then steal your drink, the classless action isn't the laugh, asshole. It's the stealing <laughs> of the drink. If you're going to learn something, it's not stop giggling. It's stop stealing drinks. That's a very important distinction, but I digress because JT in Oakland, Rusty, asks you this. I was watching Brooklyn the other day, or Brooklyn the other day and found myself physically angry Every time KD hit a shot, do you guys resent KD's success as much as I do? And do you think anyone on Golden State secretly does as well? Um, handle the second part for me, Rusty, because I'm sure you're not a sick f- like I am and are currently resenting Brooklyn and KD's uh, shot at a title. So do you think anyone on the Warriors, either secretly or openly, is, uh, is hoping he doesn't succeed? No. <laughs> no, they they don't do that. They, the The Warriors, 
invited Kevin Durant to Oakland to do something. They they needed him. They needed him to to help them build their dynasty, and and it worked. It worked. They they were fantastic together. Um, it, of course, it broke down, and of course, he got hurt. But everybody on the Warriors is really happy to see him play basketball because it's beautiful. Uh, so no, they're they don't they don't have the the sick in them. They, they they're excited to see him play. Maxime, Marcus, are you anything but happy for KD? I'm the opposite. I, whoever, sorry, I forget the name, but the listener, I, I, I think it's, I'm the same way. Like I weirdly, I'm just upset when he's doing good. Like I appreciate him coming to the Warriors. We we were, you know, arguably one of the best teams ever to, you know, be on the floor. And we have two championships because of him. And, um, you know, we'll go down in the history books because he decided to join. He took some one-year deals, less money to help Iguodala and Livingston play, blah, 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 blah. But when I see him doing well, I just it just makes me mad because there is no reason why he couldn't be doing that at the with the Warriors. Like, I still feel like this was the best setup for him. Um, I'm not quite sure what he was looking for that he couldn't get out here, but obviously, you know, there, there was something and we just don't know as a casual fan. Um, so I'm just a little upset. I just, it, it's, it's like seeing your ex happy. It's exactly without us being equally happy, right? If, if we were, if Clay's healthy and we're sitting on a, on a possible title contending team too, then it would be so easy to look at KD and be like, good for him and good for them. And, and maybe we'll meet them in the finals. And this is really exciting. Um, but it's an entirely different scenario. Although now the Warriors are looking a little bit better than they were, what, uh, 72 hours ago. But it's an entirely different scenario to be in our new reality and then looking at KD's continued success and knowing that there was no reason for it. You could have been here. So what's the healthy approach? Rusty's right. You know, um, I, of, of course, we probably shouldn't have resentment like that. But I absolutely do. It it pains me every time I see him having success there. And it's hard for me to accept, although I don't know the team as well, that nobody on the Warriors roster has a little bit of this sickness inside of them, too. But but that's it, right? That's it, right? What? That tells you what the Warriors think, is that they're cool with him going away. And they're happy for him being successful somewhere else. Why? There's there's nobody in the Warriors franchise who's longing for him to be back <laughs> in the locker room. They're just like, okay, huh. yeah, yeah, go do your thing, right? That, that's fine. That's okay. I'm so here's what I'm hearing you say that that it's possible that some of the people in the front office probably we're not talking about players anymore didn't want to deal with the headache that he occupied in that locker room so if he's you know doing some of that other BS somewhere else then fine they're not worried about it but that suggests Rusty that there is a little bit of fu in them that there is a little bit of sickness in there right um I, let me let's narrow it down take the players out uh, and I'll I'll go ahead and say it I bet Lacob resents his success. I don't never met Lacob, don't know anything about him, but he strikes me as the kind of psychopathic competitor that I am. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if if he had a few glasses of wine in him and was off record, he would say, "Yeah, I hope he loses. I hope KD doesn't win another title." Yeah, I mean, th- there's no doubt. There there are people like y- you are not as successful as Mr. Lacob without 
being psychopathically competitive, right? Right. Uh, so, so of course, I'm, I'm sure he's taking receipts. And as we've already talked about on this pod, that Stephen Curry is checking everybody on social media and seeing what's happening. Draymond Green is one of the most competitive dudes I've ever met in my okay, life. Right. There, there's no doubt that these people are taking all of the. There are there is a journal somewhere of all of this stuff, but. I'm I, I'm going to stand back and say the overwhelming majority of the Warriors are saying, "All right, that's cute. Go go do your thing in Brooklyn." And it helps a lot that Steve Nash is there because the Warriors say, "Okay, well, it can't be that bad that he's doing his thing." Yeah, right. Uh, uh, let me push it this way: Scott in San Francisco has my favorite question of the night, and it's this: If the entire team went out to dinner and the check came. Who would most likely pay it without being asked? Who would suddenly lose their wallet? And what player could be talked into paying it even though they didn't want to? Rusty, what do you got? Who picks it up? Who runs? Who could be talked into it? Aisha Curry would pay it. <laughs> is she at the team dinners? Does that, is it weird that that bothers me? Well, even if she wasn't there, she would take care of me. <laughs> she, right. she would say, all you children, this is ridiculous <laughs> that you guys can't figure it out. But she would take care of the business. Um, I don't know who would get away. I don't know. I mean, now, 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 this you know, years ago they had so many veterans where they actually had to play roulette credit cards on the table. <laughs> now, now they have so many rookies that there are dudes who actually physically could not pay for. A, a meal you know so um it probably isn't happening right now but i would guess one of the one of the young dudes couldn't take care of it right now i'll put it this way so who picks it up i'll give you three names i think steph does it if he does it he says absolutely nothing he's that dude who like goes by the mater d and drops off his credit card before the check comes you know and, and like it, it's there's no fanfare he just does it i think kerr would also do that but I think he makes a big deal out of it. Not because he wants credit, just because he'd use it for comedic purposes. You know, he'd, he'd draw somebody else into it and make fun <laughs> that they weren't paying for it. Draymond, I think he would also pay for it. I think he would also make a big deal, but I think he'd make a big deal because he'd want credit and because he'd want a casual reason to remind everybody how much money he's made in this league. So those are my three pickups. Who bounces? I don't think anyone on this team is like that, you know, like a dine and dash kind of guy, especially amongst friends. But I can see Clay getting up and leaving without paying, not being scandalous in any way, just legitimately forgetting that they had to pay. He's like, oh, that was fun. And they're just going and, and catching an Uber and never talking to anybody. Um, and as far as talked into it, I'm going Jordan Poole. And here's why. I've never seen anybody looked more lost on a court over the last uh, couple of games. He has lost his role on this team and seems willing to do anything they ask him to contribute. So if somebody came to him and was like, hey, you know what we need? $500 from you right now. I'd be like, yes, yes, absolutely yes, even if he didn't have it. And I could see him being talked into it. So uh, that's what I got for you, Scott. Man, you hate Jordan Poole. No, no, no. I feel bad for him. I don't hate him. I just feel like he's in a somewhat uh, lost moment. Maxime, who do you got? Who picks it up? Um, well, so first of all, I was just thinking your, your comment about Draymond. Um, what was the show that like he invited 
some like D'Angelo too or something at the Chase Center, and then he was spurned. I can't remember. Janet Jackson. It's Janet Jackson. Yeah, and it was Eric Pascal who wouldn't go. It's Eric. Okay, so so this is actually pretty critical, right? Because I feel like that actually might have tipped Draymond into the category of the person who tries to run from actually paying for it <laughs> because he feels like nobody respects th- this sort of financial altruism. You know what I'm saying? Have uh, I do know what you're saying, um, and it actually shifted my question because I, I should have put it to you this way. Have you ever done a Dyna Dash? Have you ever been like wow, that guy, like ever dude. been with friends or anything like that where the check came and you just picked up and bounced? I, I, I honestly, I regret to say that I have once in my life and it's still, it kind of haunts my nightmares because like the people <laughs> that, that really lose out on that, you know, or like the ones that are getting the tips Servers. from you, you yeah. know, yeah, exactly. It's just, it was not a classy move, but we were seated. It was at this spot in, in Walnut Creek. Um, it was me and my buddy. And they put us in this other room entirely by ourselves and, you know, took forever to, to serve us and then just didn't show up to take the check for a solid 45 minutes. And so at a certain point, we're just like, okay, we're, we're out of here. The right thing to do would have been to go find them. But yeah, we walked out. I balked once. I was in the Denny's in uh, Emeryville with a bunch of friends. This was in high school. And before we even went in, we decided it was going to do a dine and dash. And we went through the whole thing and got the food and got the check. I think there was like five of us and four people got up and bounced. And I just balked. <laughs> I, like I got afraid and I didn't. I just stayed right there and they all, they all left. And then it was the most awkward of environments because they waited in the parking lot because they couldn't leave because it would have totally scandalized me. And I just sat there awkwardly <laughs> until they actually came back and I had to pay for the whole damn thing. You know? And so really all they did was steal from me. Um, if I had to guess, Maxime, I would say Marcus has definitely not done a Dine and Dash and Rusty has, but he won't tell us. Let's find out. MT, have you ever ran? I have never done a dine and dash. You're correct. Um, Rusty? I, I was part of one on accident. And oh, then, there you like, go. What are you talking about? Then you well, have done one. No, like you. And then I stayed behind and I paid oh. for my par- portion of the meal. I was like, hey, I don't know what to tell you about the other half of this bill. So, Oh, that's still a dine and dash, fool. Yeah, you just threw down a little thing. bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I paid my part and then I dashed. So. Yeah, well, that's still, I mean, you were that's the last person. Cool. How much was that check, dude? That check was, let's say it was 50 bucks. If you gave him 10 and said it was just your portion and bounced, that's a dine and dash. Even if the other people were responsible for it, I say that you just proved me wrong. Uh, Rusty, we know you've done it. Will you admit to it? No, I mean, MT was super honorable with trying to pay for a portion of his before he dashed. Um, I, I don't even have, I don't even have that story. I don't, I don't even understand how people would be in this situation. Like, uh, I am the dude who gets stuck with the check all the time, and I pay it, and 20% tip, starter. Yes. If you're, good, if you're good at your job, it's even way more than 20%. So I, I don't, I'm not in this world. I don't, I don't understand. That felt like Draymond Green paying for the check and then announcing it to everybody. Okay, yep. dude, 20% yep. starter. Way to <laughs> go. Man, we, we got it. No big deal. Turns out that you are super rich. And, and, by, and, and by the way, by the way, Bram, your, your idea on that was right on. 
Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm for sure. I am for sure that I was right about that. I'll tell you who who pays for it, though. Jordan Bell pays for it with Mike Brown's credit card still. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> too soon? Okay. soon. Okay. Yeah, actually, okay. no, no. I mean, that's almost right. He pays for it with Mike Brown's soap. He, he says, like, <laughs> here is, here's some soap that I got right out of Mike Brown's room. 12, <laughs> 12, 12 candles and yeah, here we go. <laughs> that's right. Damn it. You should have. I bet you the audience would not have remembered that it was candles and as opposed to soap and they were just laughing with me until you busted me out so f you rusty that was totally unnecessary you could have let me have that for sure for sure i i just gave you one i said you were right about draymond green so th- then you should probably be accurate here we go yeah just go back to dine and dashing we know about your <laughs> scandalous ass history left and right but uh it pains me to say it uh but we move into our final segment one we have not done forever, and one of my favorite that has ever been done on this podcast. Its title is Story Time with Uncle Rusty, and the idea is crazy easy. Normally, I just give Rusty a name. He gives us a story. I'm going to complicate it a little bit. This time, Rusty, I'm going to give you a name and a time period because I want to follow this guy through his career. The name is Steph Curry. The first time period I'm going to give you is give us a story from the Kohan era. Uh, well, I got to be there. I was very fortunate to be with covering the Warriors when Stephen Curry was drafted. So I got to watch his rookie year. And I, looking back on it now, I, I think of it as fortune. But um, during that time, it was awful. They they stunk. They had no system. Um, the ownership wasn't helping them. They had players that were injured left and right. And at the end of that season, at the end of his rookie year, uh, he was playing for Don Nelson, who became the all-time wins leader in the NBA. Uh, and that dude had seen everything, everything that had happened in the NBA. And he said, this is different. This is Curry's boys. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, all of these players, doesn't matter if you're a veteran, if you're Devin George, who had already won championships other places, it uh, doesn't matter if you're uh, uh, an injury replacement like Cartier Morton. Uh, they all ask after shoot-around. They all ask after games, where is Steph going? I want to be there. I want to go with that. Um, and, and that made me think about Stephen Curry as a player magnet. And I didn't I didn't vote for him for rookie year. I voted for Tyree Gaffney. Yeah. 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 Um, and and that, always, that always reminds me, like – uh, during that time, I should have thought that it doesn't matter what your stats are. It doesn't matter what else is going on. I should have known Don Nelson, the dude who won more games than anybody else, yep. is telling me this is this dude is a player magnet. This guy is Curry's boys. They 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 want to follow him, and I sh- I should have known right then. I love that. I love that, that it doesn't only kind of give some background to why Iguodala joined and maybe why KD joined. I also love that it tangentially lets us know how terrible that roster was. Cartier Martin, how many Warrior fans right now could pick Cartier Martin out of a lineup of one? You know, or like Devin George. I, did, I, it was just the Lakers, right? Did he win championships anywhere else? But the, just the idea that those dudes were on the team and where this team was. Uh, yeah, great illustration. Give you a new time period. Give us a story from the dynasty. Well, what b- because I haven't shared this, I'll tell you that during the there there are so many. Like you could just say, 
oh, he scored 48 here. He scored 46 here. He shot from half court here. Um, I, I remember quite frankly, uh, Draymond Green dragging him out of his Memphis hotel when they were down and they weren't going to win in 2015. And Draymond <laughs> Green dragged him out of his Memphis hotel and made him go eat fried catfish and then the next day he hits a three-quarter court shot and changed the whole series and then they win the championship when nobody thought they were so those are very obvious tangential beautiful things that happen but I always think about Oklahoma City locker room right after coach Kirk comes back it's not a wonderful situation there's a loud locker room. Draymond Green is saying some stuff. Coach Walton is being is held some... back, right? Is that that is that that was the story? Is that he was held back from Steve Kerr? Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm outside the locker room, so I I still don't know exactly what happens. What I've been told and and what what I'm going with from now is a Steph Curry story, which is nobody else could do anything. Nobody was stopping this situation from happening. And Stephen Curry, who doesn't say a lot in the locker room, eventually just stood up. And that's the end of it. As soon as that dude stands up, doesn't matter who's bigger or who's louder, people pay attention to Stephen Curry. Complete the picture. Give us a story from the new lake of reality. So the other side of the dynasty and climbing back up the hill. I think we're seeing it. The dude just scored 62, right? (laughs) Like... (laughs) I said I said this preseason to my buddy. I said, it, "The dude's writing it right now. It, it's uh, as long as they got number thirty, there's a chance." And I, I don't think this roster is great. I don't think the schedule helps them. I don't think the the fact that they had a truncated preseason helps. None of none of this is good. But they got number thirty, and that that changes things and 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 he knows that he that that's what that's what changes it the most he's aware of all of this stuff and he's going to keep track of all of it and if you're a warriors fan you got number 30 that's that's pretty good has he changed right so what we've just described um and i'm i'm not a historian of the game and i'm so warrior centric that maybe this is just me showing my bias but i can't think of a player who had lower lows turn into higher highs than steph curry he had a a 19 win season and then a 73 win season he had teams that had no shot of making the preseason playoffs and that teams that were guaranteed to win championships and defined the modern era. So we've seen, you know, he's, he's completely flipped from where he started to where he is now. Has he changed? You know, like behind the scenes from what you know, is Steph Curry the same person? Has he maintained a personality throughout all of this success? I don't think this makes for a sexy story, but I don't think he's changed at all. I thought he was ridiculous when when he came in and was and could barely get on the court when he was limping around and couldn't play games. And to me, he was just saying, oh, I'm going to switch from Nike to Under Armour because I'm going to create my own brand one day. I was like, what, what are you talking about? You can't even play. <laughs> so he hasn't changed like 
he, he has always thought about, I'm going to change the game. I'm going to do something. When I'm done playing, people are going to know me and my brand is going to be huge. Yep. Yep. But, but that, that's the way he was talking his rookie year. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this kid is great. So he hasn't changed. The rest of the world has just caught up with him. I mean, he even, was it after the rookie year? I don't remember what year it was after, um, but he took to Twitter in a now very famous yeah. tweet saying, I don't know what we'll do, you know, but Warrior fans, we will figure this out. Yep. And to end this where we started it, man, this is why that 62-point performance resonates with me so much. Because, you know, the, this guy was, was my sports savior. He took me out of the doldrums as a Warrior fan and put me on a pedestal that I never thought I would be able to enjoy. You know, we're watching finals and MVP seasons and championships. I never thought we would have that. And then after that, despite that success, all these people questioned him. You know, and, and it and it hurt me. I didn't like seeing that. And for him to come out and slam the door on all those questions, yep, I am positive, boys. It was my favorite performance. By the way, I love that. That I'm not even sure there were a bunch of people questioning him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I looked back at that. Like, they wanted me to write a sidebar about how all these people were slandering Stephen Curry. And I looked back to try to find people slandering Stephen Curry. And it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to find people who were after him. But I love that, that he created somebody going after him, right? That, that's Michael Jordan stuff. Yeah, Jordan-esque. Yeah. That's Tiger Woods stuff. That th- Those are the greatest competitors of my time stuff. That, to find a way to say, oh, people are after me. People are coming. It makes him seem like a savage competitor and all-time athlete and makes me seem just like a psychopathic weirdo because if nobody was out there saying all this crap, it's one thing for, for Steph to come out and use that as motivation. It's a totally weirder, stranger thing for me to have made that up and then use it for motivation for the 62-point performance. So, <laughs> right. you know, it is what it is, man. I, I've never held myself out as some kind of a normal person. So this isn't uh, breaking news. Rusty, I loved having you back. I am positive that everybody listening needs a lot more Simmons in their life. Assuming I'm right, where do they go? Ah, uh, who knows? <laughs> Is that who knows.com? Is that your Twitter account? How, I, I mean, do you want to spell that for us? Uh, that seems pretty good. Yeah, no, everybody knows already. You, you can, uh, I like a hard copy of the newspaper. Hang out with San Francisco Chronicle. You can go to sfchronicle.com. I guess there's some social media stuff that happens in the meantime. People can look at that stuff. I don't know how it works, but uh, I don't know. I, I produce a lot of stuff. Check it out. You are a modern-day advertiser, man. That was just incredible. I'm going to hire you to be my Boudini Brown. Uh, for us, we can be reached anywhere with podcasts. Or listen to it. You don't need to hear that. Why would I tell you where to find our podcast? You're currently listening to our podcast. Instead, I would tell you that if you want to reach out to us, did a good job, bad job, any job, emails should be sent to warriorshuddle at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is at warriorshuddle. And Marcus, for those of us who want to keep an eye on who you are technically dating, just watch the Warrior games? I guess not anymore, man. Are you appearing anywhere on TV? Where do we look? You have to go to the Zoom call, but I'll, I'll send out the link on Twitter. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Zoom call. And you, you're the one to the left. We should be looking bottom left corner. Do you have exactly. a, a normal spot? Yeah. Exactly. I'll be on the kiss cam third quarter. That's me. <laughs> 
Go Warriors. We'll see you guys next week. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.